Hello, 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 my friends. Welcome to WRPX, your wrestling revolution podcast. I'm your host, Antonio Garza. And I just got done watching the Impact Wrestling episode from December the 8th, where finally the big AEW world champion Kenny Omega showed up and and did some stuff. But before we get into Impact like we always do, there was a show on Sunday, a show that in my opinion needs talking about, a show that had a lot of people talking, but not enough. And that show is Pro Wrestling Noah's The Best Final Chronicle 2020. And the reason I I think this show takes precedence over everything else is because in about the span of what it's been like three weeks now, Gochi Osaki has had two match of the year contenders. The last match with Katsuhiko Nakajima, I gave a four and three quarter star match. This one, Gochosaki defeating Takashi Sugiura was a five star match in my book. And I am willing to back that up. This was, it was a war. It was brutal. It was, it was just like freakingly fantastic like selling and storytelling and and painful and paced up and it was 52 minutes of just brutal brutal wrestling between one who is arguably one of the best not only wrestlers but champions of the year go shisaki uh and an old-timer who a lot of people don't think he has a lot of left in the tank, but he surely does, and he showed it. Takashi Sugiura. I, the, the overall the show, and we're gonna go over it in a little bit. Um, it was a good show. I thought, uh, like the main event was just like above everything else. Obviously, it was fantastic. But the semi main, I really, really enjoyed. Uh, the third from the top was Kenan Sakuraba, who I had my reservations. I have my issues with it, but I enjoyed it. And then the rest of the show were just like good undercard matches. Um, and we're going to go over everything, but let, let's let's just go straight into the main event. So like I said, it was 52 minutes. Um, I do believe it was 52. And so we saw Sugira come in um, and challenge Go, and for the whole year, Noah has been celebrating the 20th anniversary. There has been a lot, a lot of like, um, there's been a lot of changes in Noah this year alone. Not only being bought by Cyberfight, but um, we kind of saw like a slight transition from last year where they were starting to push guys like Kaito Kiyomiya and and Keno for sure and then this year 
it kind of went back to Goshosaki, uh, who I mean has been, he's he hasn't been. He, he like he's not one of the originals, <laughs> like from twenty years ago, but he is definitely like a big big part of Noah. He was uh, a Misawa guy, and so it definitely like when this year started and he won the title, it definitely felt like. Noah was going to try a more uh, conservative approach to certain things. And throughout the year, we've seen that the, the booking of Go has been fantastic. The booking overall of the four top guys, Kaito Keno, Nakajima, Shiosaki has been good. Takashi Sugura comes in and out. Uh, likewise, Marufuji. Uh, but like as good as that has been we also seen a lot of like weak areas in noah's booking mainly the the junior division which is complete chaos and we are going to talk about it today too uh but also we've seen a lot of uh play into uh nostalgia because we do see like in the previous match and the semi here is uh keiji muto funaki marafuji and miyamoto teaming against a bunch of young guys. But for the most part, Noah has been has been okay or like has has been able to keep it in his pants uh when it comes to like using the older guys. We are going to see like a lot of Muto uh in this year, but at the same time Go has kept the title. Like we haven't we haven't gone full Give the titles to Keiji Muto. So, like, Nosawa, who's the Nosawa guy, who is the booker, has been able to keep it in his pants. So that is good. But that all leads, like, the reason I'm saying all of this is because it leads to the main event where we are, we are having Takashi Sugiura, who is, or was, I guess, um, one of the younger guys that's that was there when Noah was uh, being born and starting to rise up. He, like back then, you had Misawa in the main event, but you had Sugiura there, and he was pushing. And and Sugiura has been with Noah for the longest time. Um, he's gone through like when he had his, he had to get. I think it was heart surgery, and he had to leave, and then he came back. And he won the title, and there was a whole Suzuki Gun era of Noah, and Sugiro was there. You know, he was pushing. Um, so it it this match kind of felt like it was Goshosaki defending the title against. Uh, like this term is used a lot, especially in American wrestling, but like. The last of the of a dying breed, and and that was Takashi Sugiura, and and so we had a match where part of it was just seeing can the older uh, guy recapture the 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 glory, and and that was the story, and so we ch we saw Chiyosaki decimate <laughs> Sugiura's like um chest Chosaki has 
arguably the strongest, more devastating shop in the business right now. Um, I would have to see him like next to Jujioka, Avayashi, and Walter to see who really, really has the most devastating one. And I am willing to bet that Chosaki may top them both. But uh, so, so we saw Chosaki just destroy Sugura's uh, chest. We saw him kind of worked ahead because like uh, Goshosaki's finisher as of late has been just like spamming lariats on you and so there's a lot of work on the head and on the other side we saw Sugiura focus on Chiyosaki's arm and, and he pretty much destroyed it too um, most of the offense it was just like focusing the arm there was a little some uh, work on the head but it was just a lot of destroying the arm because it is the arm that Go uses to lariat, and it's also the arm that he uses to chop you. So if you take away the arm, you take away like 80% of his arsenal. And so th there was like really, really good psychology. The selling by both men was fantastic. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have to imagine that Sugura selling chops was a shoot, but towards the end we saw Sugura like sell the lariats just like it, it was like a rhino or like a rhinoceros um just charging at you and you shoot a dart like a tranquilizer and he's not going down but you can start to see him it's like slowing down and tumbling but he's not slowing down and he's coming for you and that was Sugura at the end so it was just like a big I don't know, like a big, massive a man just like trying to stay up while Chosaki is like clobbering him with a, with the biggest lariats you can imagine. And the, the match was, it started slow-ish. It was well-paced. I, there was points in the match where I was like, okay, this is already like a 9.5 out of 10 match, like a 4.5 star match. And then they would slow down and you would be like, hmm, I don't know, I'm not feeling this part. But then they would pick it up again and oh, you're like, oh my God, this is like four and three quarters star match now. And and I was like, if I fought the, the great thing about their pacing, uh, they managed to go up and down, up and down a little bit in order to, for I mean, for them, obviously to rest, but for you also not to like peak before it, like before they're ready to go to the to the end of the match and and that was really really smart pacing um a lot of obviously the, the high points were just like chop versus elbow uh, battles which makes sense uh those things are always going to get you hyped but um they also had like some good exchanges they traded momentum like at one point just like it was on top and at another point Sugiro was on top so like they they really paced it, um, and for worse, like when when they reached around the minute I don't know I want to say like forty five ish. I did start to feel like man like they are just like really really tired. They're spending a lot of time at, in the mat, and so I like I wasn't really sure how the ending was going to be because. Last week when I was talking about Nakajima and Chiyosaki, like my argument was like I wasn't a the biggest fan of the finish. I, I thought the finish could have been better, 
but it felt like um you know what how it felt it felt similar to an evil match where the low blow comes and you just know uh you you're just kind of like following through the process of the until he gets to the pin and that's what i felt last week with chiosaki and akajima like once chiosaki starts just hitting lariats and nakajima like can't even stand up you know at that point like you're we're, we're pretty much heading to the end and and so i started to feel that around the minute 45 of this match but then they actually managed to pick it up so Yura like kind of made a comeback but not really and that's when chiosaki just went crazy but the lariats were not being as devastating as they were with nakajima and i think that was like the main thing that made a difference for me because Sugura wasn't going down. And and maybe that was the reason why why this match was a five star and not the last one. But I mean, there's not much to say other than that. It was just a fantastic, fantastic match that you should definitely go out of your, your way to see. Like, there's nothing else in wrestling going on right now that that was better than this, to be honest. Uh so I would definitely, definitely suggest you go to watch this show from Noah. And after the match, we we saw Keiji Muto come out and challenge Gochisaki to a match. And if there's ever been a biggest, a, like a bigger test in Gochisaki's reign this year, is to have to fight a Keiji Muto who, I mean, he doesn't have knees anymore. He's really good at certain things, but his he can't move fast anymore. And so when you see him wrestle, and we saw him in the previous match, there are a lot of things where you can tell that he cannot do anymore. He's similar to Hiroyoshi Tensan from New Japan, where they cannot properly bend their knees or their ankles. And so when they take bumps, they just like, throw themselves to the floor when they get up when they get up like they have to like weirdly extend their legs uh if they're mat wrestling they have to do like a really weird like snaky uh movements like there's these little things that you start to notice in guys like muto and tensan uh or like even in the u.s i think uh you can kind of see it with angle with kurt angle sometimes and so those little things that you start to notice, uh, I used to see also with Shawn Michaels for that matter. Like you start to notice them in their knees, and it you can tell you that they're not there anymore. And so we'll see well how how good of a match can Chiosaki get out of Muto. Chiosaki has had like one of the best title reigns of of in the world this year, and. This will get this like I actually don't even I don't have the date for this show. I don't know if they're going to keep it for this year or for the Gen 4 show. But uh, this is going to be arguably the biggest test in Chosaki's reign to get a good match out of Muto, especially coming off of two match of the year contenders. And so we'll see where it goes. Uh, I do like that Go Chosaki versus Sugura was like. I wouldn't say a gentleman's match, but it was definitely a match between two guys that respect themselves and that neither were going to like allow themselves to to go out 
without being dragged by like like by by death and Chiyosaki versus Muto is likely going to be similar in the sense that it's about respect uh Chiyosaki probably respects Muto a lot and I don't know how Muto feels about Chiyosaki but it's not gonna be like a heel uh babyface dynamic so that's good um unfortunately I can't imagine Muto is going to really go all out and have to be dragged out <laughs> for for him to to lose a match so I I don't know how it's gonna go um but at this point, I think everyone should believe in Go Shosaki. And I do implore you, go watch Go Shosaki's, like, honestly, just his last month, his last three matches. Go watch uh, Sugura, Keno, and whatever. I mean, yeah, Keno, the 60-minute draw, and Nakajima. Because um, Shosaki's just, just killing it and... He, it kind of feels for a lot of people that he like he sneaked up on them because if you don't follow Noah closely um, if you just follow like New Japan or if you if, or if you just follow like your AWs and your WWEs you don't usually hear about Noah and then out of nowhere in the span of two three weeks you are talking about Goshosaki twice having match of the year contenders and that is something that we haven't really talked about in a long time other than maybe like G1 Climax last year when, yeah, when Kota had like two great performances at the end, stuff like that. But um, I don't know, go, go watch this match. And I'll, I'll tell you about the rest of the show. Uh, the semifinal was... The team of old people, M's Alliance being Keiji Muto, Masakatsu Funaki, Naomichi Marafuji, and Yuko Miyamoto, uh, losing to the team of young up-and-comers uh, being Daiki Inaba, Kaito Kiyomiya, Shuhei Taniguchi, and Yoshiki Inamura. And this match was just fun. <laughs> that, that was like the best way to describe this match. It was just really, really fun um wrestling um like you have the old versus young thing you have like legends versus up and comers so there's a lot of like power and energy versus experience um and everyone looked great except muto <laughs> who i mean we already talked about his his current uh i guess like status like health status but uh everyone looked really really good i i thought Funaki looked better in this match than the previous match that we talked about. Uh, Marufuji is obviously just fantastic. He's always fantastic when he cares. Uh, Yuko Miyamoto looked great, even though he wasn't really like um, he was he was there to take the pin, but he also like was really really good at, at taking offense and like the 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 main thing of this match was putting Inamura Yoshiki over I that that's that's what I felt um more than Kiyomiya or Inaba or Taniguchi it just felt like this match was a formulate a, a formula <laughs> I guess to put Inamura over because he had control for like 
the last, let's say, like third of the match, uh, he was just pretty much destroying Miyamoto. He he pinned Miyamoto. Uh, he he looked fantastic. It, it was just a like last last show. He was in the opener, and I was like, man, what the hell is Inamura doing here? And now that he's winning in the semi-main event against a bunch of all-timers, he looked uh, great. Uh, there's not much to say. He he just like looked great. Uh, the rest of the guys, there was a really fun Kiyomiya versus Funaki pair up, uh, which made Funaki re look really really good. Like he was moving fast. He was moving like uh, you know like really smooth. He 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 was great. Something that we you don't see always from Funaki. He it has to take like someone like Yomiya, who's also fast paced, to bring out this type of wrestling from Funaki. Uh, Marufuji and who was it? I think it was uh, Taniguchi had like a good striking exchange. Obviously, you know Marufuji has amazing chops and kicks, and and Taniguchi is just like a big muscle guy, so. He was like perfect there to take it. And Inaba was the, the baby face in Pearl for the young guys. Um, I didn't really see much out of it. It was just uh, your usual baby face in Pearl into a hot tag. And the other guy who was there was uh, Keiji Muto, who, like I said, like a lot of his, a lot of his stuff looks good, but then he starts to move and you're like, oh man, you can't move, man. And so it was like Muto's parts were probably like the weakest parts of the match, but like the rest was just fantastic. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of Inamura. So hopefully like a win like this means that we are going to see him like properly grow now that he's gone from, from Congo. And hopefully he can grow his hair back and be a full package guy. But yeah, um, the... Third from the top was the GHC national title match. Keno defeating Kasuchi Sakuraba. Uh, this match, for what they did, was the right thing to do. It was Sakuraba pretty much destroying Keno when it came to grappling. And Keno being dominant when it came to striking and so it, it was just it was actually like a really, really short match i think it went like 10 minutes and like the idea of the match was just like sakuraba dominates because he like takes down keno and he starts like to go for pretzels and then keno manages to escape he starts striking sakuraba and he starts taking advantage until sakuraba once again, takes him down, pretzels. And so, like, that was, like, the thing that they did, I think, like, about three times until the end where Sakuraba has managed to, like, wrap Kano in a pretzel, but Kano just kind of, like, throws himself over and has, like, the roll-up pin, a pin that, like, you could visibly, visually <laughs> see uh, that... Sakuraba's shoulders were not completely in the mat, so I don't know if that's gonna be something. I don't think so. Um, but that was it, and I, I thought they could have done a little bit more. I, 
I didn't really think that it did much for either guy. Maybe Sakurava, because at the end of the match, Keno was visibly um, hurting. But I don't know. I, I just felt like Keno really didn't show much in this match. I This was like a 100% Sakurava match. And I think they could have done more. We're just giving Keno a bit more. It, it's nice to see like a quick match, especially with someone like Sakurava uh, at this level of the card. It gives you the idea that matches can come up faster than they, they usually do but i don't know i just felt robbed of watching some keno which i i love keno so i just kind of want to see more of him but i mean it was still a like a three one quarter type of match maybe three and a half um but mostly because it was just super short and they didn't do much and and those were like the three main matches of the show uh, the rest of the of the undercard, uh, we had the GAC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team title match between Stinger being uh, Hayata and Yoshinari Ogawa, uh, defeating Kotaro Suzuki and Salvaje in Oriente. And, and this is the match where I was referring that we're going to talk about a little bit about the Junior Heavyweight Division of Noah because I don't know if you heard, but there's a thing that Noah loves to do in the Junior Division, and that is... Uh, heel baby first turns and betrayals there have been so so many <laughs> betrayals and turns this year that uh it's just a joke at this point and this one in particular was just this was just like straight up annoying uh salvaje oriente as we talked debuted last week as a mystery partner for kotaro suzuki he's a masked guy we don't know who it is um, but he debuts on the same show that he eventually comes out with Kotaro Suzuki and gets a title shot for the tag titles. So, I mean, that's like strike number one. Okay. They go into the match. Uh, I was actually thinking that Salvaje Oriente was looking way better than he did in his debut match because he, he just had like more time to do stuff. But then he like... If you blink, you miss it. But then, like, out of nowhere, he just super kicked Kotaro Suzuki. And then that led to, like, a, a stereo super kick between uh, Salvaje and Hayata on Suzuki. And then Ogawa won the match. And I'm not joking. I had to rewind this match twice because I kept missing the turn. The first one, arguably... I wasn't paying that much attention because um, I was also like trying to write the review as I'm watching the match. The second one, I review it. I knew it was going to happen. I I guess like I sneezed or something and I still missed it. <laughs> so I had to rewind it for a third time to see like when it actually happened. And it was just that. It was just a super kick. Like out of nowhere, completely like not built at all. It was just there. And then... Uh, he unmasks as he reveals to be um, Tsusumu Yuya from Freedoms. I've only seen him like twice in Freedoms. And I thought he was okay. Uh, like nothing special. But I think Noah, he, he has like a good chance to 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 do good. Because um, he is capable. Uh, so, I mean, good for him for, for joining Noah. Um, but like 
man, talk about like a shit debut. Like, just just picture the whole thing. He's brought in as a mystery partner, and he's brought in like in the most uneventful way. He just like walks behind Kotaro Suzuki in the match, and like no special introductions or anything, no promo. He in his second match uh, with the promotion, he has a tag team title match where he in the same match turns on his uh, partner on masks and I'll go into the post match gets beaten up. <laughs> so holy shit, because after the match, uh, after Yuya Susumu unmasked, um, they're pretty much beating up Kotaro Suzuki and Nosawa and his uh, masked friend who I my name is escaping me right now. Uh, they teased joining Stinger, but then they swerved the swerve and they attacked Stinger and helped Kotaro to his feet. And so, like, we have like a new little uh, three person faction, I guess, between Nosawa, the masked guy, who I can't remember who it is, and Kotaro Suzuki. And so, <laughs> going back to Susumu Yuya, he debuted it uneventfully. He won that match uneventfully. He got a tag title match. He turned on his partner. He unmasked and then he got his ass kicked by Nosawa Rungai. So, oh my God, like the, the junior division of Noah, like as good as I'm saying that no, that Chiyosaki and Nakajima and all those stuff has been like great. The junior heavyweight division has been a huge mess. And... And so that was like the junior heavyweight tag title match. Uh, the match was okay. Like I said, Salvaje Oriente looked better. Uh, but it wasn't still like anything worth calling your mom about. Uh, it was just a match. Yeah. Uh, prior to that, we had a, like, a, an actually better match, which was Kongo, uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima, Manabu Soya, and Masakita Miya versus Full Throttle, Hajime Ohara, Seki Yoshioka, and Yohei. And this I found really, really fun because this was, it was virtually heels versus heels. Uh, but like you had like full throttle, which are like the, the more established trio, smaller speed team. Uh, and they're fighting just a pack of powerhouses because Kitamiya and Soya are just huge guys. And, and Nakajima is arguably like a big ish guy. Uh, if anything else, he's like probably the most vicious man in the promotion. And so it was like a good, good dynamic. It was like the, the type of match where the speed guys just like are wrestling all over the place. But as soon as one of the bigger guys manages to get a hold of them, they destroy them. And and that's pretty much the pact, the, the idea. Also, like Full Throttle being a more established trio than Congo, who here, I mean, not only Nakajima is just just new like he just uh, joined like a couple of months ago but it's also like not exactly like an actual trio trio and so when it came to like double team and triple team moves uh full throttle had a bigger advantage than congo but at the end uh nakajima still nakajima and he he won the match for the time for the group so it was it was just fun uh it was kind of weird to see nakajima in at this point of the card, considering he just made a Benson. But, I mean, if he, it, it makes sense, like, there's really no other place for him, seeing that the whole rest of the car were 
mostly title matches. Uh, the match before that was Momonosation Tag being Atsushi Kotoge and Daisuke Harada, the, the junior champ, teaming with Junta Miyawaki. And they wrestled the other side of Congo, being Hao, Nyo, and Tarasuke. And in this match, uh, Momonosation Tag won the match. Um, let me see if I think it took like about eight nine minutes so it was okay uh this match wasn't as good as the one with uh full throttle but it was i don't know it was a, it was a good match it was just like really underwhelming Th this side of congo i'm not a big fan of i i've never really liked tarasuke and how and neo are just kind of like there for me like they're not really uh someone that i would pay for, <laughs> for pay to see and on the other side i really really live at sushiko toge but daisuke harada and junta miyawaki like eh like they could come and go for me it's okay but nonetheless like i enjoyed the the baby face side of things um i i mean kotoge was great and, and miyawaki's hot tag was actually pretty decent too so but that was it like this was like a 2.5 star match like nothing special and prior to that, we just have like your young guy, your young boy match uh, between Kenya Okada and Yasuta Kayano. Uh, I enjoyed Yano's fired, uh, but that was pretty much it. His striking looked really weak. Okada felt like he wasn't really doing much, which was kind of weird. Uh, but that was it. And that was a show. That was it was a sh I can't really say it was a short show because it was like a four hour show or three hours and a half, but mostly because the main event had a full hour and the two prior matches, they, they probably went about 30 minutes combined. Uh, I do know that the junior heavyweight title match was almost also like 20 minutes, which is, which is also a problem. Like, especially if you're going to end with Salvaje training on Suzuki, like at the end of the match, it, so it was a full show, but there's not many matches. I, if you're, if you're curious and interested, I honestly would say, just go watch the final two matches. I would say the final two, because I do think that the eight man tag match was really, really fun just to see like all the old timers and the new guys, but definitely go watch the main event. Uh, and, and this was Noah, the best final Chronicle 2020. Uh, like I said, I don't really, I haven't really seen Noah's schedule going forward after this. They're obviously going to build the Chisaki versus Muto match at some point. But I, I'm not expecting any big shows from Noah anymore, uh, which I'm, I'm, I'm okay with a little rest from Noah. Uh, it's been fun, but a lot of the undercard usually does turn to to leave me hoping for more and, and that was noah and before we go talk about us wrestling there is a show that we need to preview because finally uh the world tag league from new japan and the best of the super junior 27 have reached their end the, we are now only missing the final matches for each tournament and this full card has been announced uh, the show takes place 
I do believe on the 12th of December, I don't have the date right now in front of my face, but I do think it's the 12th. And the full card, uh, let's go over it. Starting from the bottom, we have Toruyano, Cho, and Robbie Eagles, Chaos, Wrestling, Bullet Club, Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, and Taiyi Ishimori. Don't be surprised if either Show or Robbie Eagles, probably Show, pins Taiji Ishimori and gets himself in the Wrestle Kingdom uh, title match because I don't know what else these guys could be doing. And I'm going to be honest, Wrestle Kingdom just doing uh, a one-on-one -on -one for a junior. I don't know if it's going to be like super exciting mostly because it's Taiji Shimori and he's he's fantastic but he's not exactly like exciting when it comes to selling you a match so don't be surprised if they add show especially um next up we have Kazuchika Okada teaming with Hiroshi Tanahashi and Toa Hanare versus the Empire Will Ospreay Jeff Cobb and the Great Okan so once again we have uh Tanahashi and, and Okada teaming up the dream team and we have Tanahashi and Hanara continuing which at this point you have to think like why would you if you had the worst record of the tournament <laughs> uh the whole story of that that's is that Tanahashi's like the, this is kind of like a story that started with the golden lovers but it's just that Tanahashi is kind of lost right now in in the universe he hasn't been able to to pull his weight and and so they had just like a terrible terrible tournament uh a lot of people are are complaining that oh man like Tanahashi he's a legend why are you burying him but like this is not a burial this is just a storyline uh New Japan has told this storyline on several occasions with many different wrestlers and in this case they're telling with Tanahashi who is we have to accept it old and broken and he is in the twilight of his of his career you know he is starting to to become the all-timer in this promotion and so it's okay to see this story it's like yeah he's still a legend just because he loses doesn't mean he stops being a legend so anyway this is obviously building okada versus osprey uh I, it may build great okan versus tanahashi which i think a lot of people are gonna like hope that it never happens but we'll see like, see, like, that's a match that Tanahashi should win, maybe. Um, I feel it's a match that has should win, but that Great Okan could totally win just to get over. We'll see. Because the other thing that's roaming around the idea is Jeff Cobb versus Shingo Takagi for the never open weight. So that sounds amazing. And yeah, I think that sounds so amazing. I'm trying to remember if they fought before i mean they fought before I'm trying to remember how it went but um that's that's where that this match is trying to build just mostly okada versus osprey and this will also be like the first time we see cobb and osprey as a team so maybe they have something nice uh worked out next up we had chingo takagi and sanada uh versus evil and yuhiro and this match what tell what this match tells me is that we are likely to get Sanada versus Evil at Wrestle Kingdom. 
I just see it happening as a special singles match. Sonata versus Evil. Because, I mean, otherwise, I don't know what Sonata and Evil are going to be doing at Wrestle Kingdom. And this just feels like it needs to happen. And this is where Sonata finally beats. Well, not finally, because he already has, but like, where Sonata can get like a, a good big win over Evil. Because he always loses with Evil when it, when it really, really matters. Uh, next up, we have Kota Ibushi and Masawato versus Tetsuya Naito and Bushi. So, this is a weird combo, but it's obviously building Ibushi versus Naito for Wrestle Kingdom. Um, Masawato and Bushi are two characters that I don't really know what they're going to do at Wrestle Kingdom. I wouldn't be surprised. I really don't know. Because when it comes to LIJ, Naito has has a match. Takahashi's probably going to have a match. Chingo has a match. Sanada is probably going to have his own match. And so that leaves Bushi like out there in Oblivion. So unless they do like a New Japan Rumble, I don't really see what Bushi is going to do this year. And and likewise, Wato is like, what's the thing he has that he can team up with anyone who's not in a stable? So like he may just be like in the never open six men title match again like teaming up with kojima and tensan so, so that's good for wato um and that's probably like where he should be this year at wrestle kingdom realistically but uh yeah like it's weird to see bushi i mean i can imagine bushi being like the second to either sanala or naito uh, any other matches but hmm, i haven't really thought about bushi this year but yeah, obviously, Naito versus Bushi being built for, for night one of the Wrestle Kingdom. And then we go into the actual finals. Uh, the first for the World Tag Leave 2020 finals, it's Finn Juice, David Finley and, Ro- and Juice Robertson's wrestling Tama Tonga and Tangaloa, the Gorillas of Destiny, to win and to challenge the, the champions. And the main event of the night surprise well not surprisingly but surprisingly in a way is the best of the super juniors 27 finals which is and this is hiromu takahashi versus el desperado and i say surprisingly because it's it's a really big show and i'm surprised that el desperado is going to be main eventing i honestly expected cho versus takahashi at the end so i am just slightly surprised at it El Desperado is getting this, this big showing. I am so happy for him to main event a Budokan Hall match. I love El Desperado. So good for him. That should be an amazing match. I think they had like a great match during the tournament. So and I am in no way against a rematch. And and that's pretty much the show. That, that's all there is to it. It's a, a really short show. Six matches. As most of the New Japan shows have been... Uh, this year since they come, came back I I mean four of those matches are just Rose 2 type of matches building up to Wrestle Kingdom uh, this is obviously where we're probably gonna see um, some things like get uh, set up for Wrestle Kingdom I mean I'm guessing that's what happens with Tanahashi and Okan, for instance, or with Sho and Ishimori. Uh, I mean, for that matter, we also may see it with 
Bad Luck Folly and Toriano doing for something for the King of Pro Wrestling uh, trophy. So don't expect match. I do. I think the thing we should expect from this show is that if angles are going to take place for Wrestle Kingdom uh, in the sense of, you know, like a Moxley, a Jericho, which I don't think they're coming this year. But like when it comes to those type of things, it is likely to happen at this show uh, because this is the last big stop before Wrestle Kingdom. After this, we start uh, the road to uh, shows soon after. And so that's going to be just tag matches and stuff like that. If there is going to be a big-ish angle, this is where it's at. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, I guess surprisingly... There's no Kenta here, but because he will be like, defending his briefcase in the U.S. shows, but um, that's pretty much the thing missing. Mm. I mean, there's no Suzuki, but he may always jump in at any point. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of guys missing, uh, like Goto, Ishii. Uh, Ishi, uh, yeah, half chaos is missing. So we'll, we'll see if they do any angle to set up more matches for, for Wrestle Kingdom. But overall, it's a, it's a show that's going to be worth watching just for the two main events. And we'll likely talk about it next week. But that is it for Japanese wrestling. We, I think it's time to talk about this, this big bus that has been going around for the last week. And obviously, all involves AW and Impact Wrestling. So, without further ado, this is the Impact Traffic Report. Welcome, everyone, to Impact Wrestling. Well, if you haven't heard last week on AW Dynamite, there was this little angle at the very end where. Don Callis helped, in a way, uh, Kenny Omega defeat the AW World Champion John Moxley so Kenny could capture the title. And then they run off. And at the end, the very, very end, Don Callis, EVP of Impact Wrestling, said, like, we'll tell you all about this on Tuesday on Impact Wrestling. And so for the last week, and I, I, I was I, I really thought about doing like a, a mini sode for this, but I, I honestly I don't care that much <laughs> about AW. But it was a big event. Uh, that I, I care about Impact and the idea of a working relationship between AW and Impact is really, really fruitful for both sides, even though the internet is really really greedy and can only think about themselves and they're all about like oh what's aw getting out of this well man let me tell you they make the industry better and and so it's it's big to see something like this happen we are so um what's the word like we are so programmed and doctrined to think that two big companies especially in the u.s cannot work together if they're not both gaining so much 
and we are also programmed to believe that once you're in one company all the other companies suck and so i i saw this and i was like just pleasantly surprised i have really really good like huge hopes for a good working relationship because i think they both have a lot to offer and so uh going into impact this week the big the big build was all about Kenny Omega's appearance and first promo as a world champion of AEW. And so let's let's just go into the show. Um, obviously, the whole show was built around uh, the AEW component presence idea of, of, you know, being there. And so like straight from the top, like the opening video was a recap of AEW. Just building up to today, and then the start of the show was Kenny Omega and Don Callis arriving in a bus, or they showed us the bus because that was like also like really, really smart by Impact. They showed us the bus because the interview is going to happen at the bus, and they're going to be sending uh, Josh Matthews to the bus. And so the whole idea is that this show is live, and Kenny is actually at the Impact Zone, the Impact venue. But that he's not gonna go in into the to the venue. He's going to take the interview in his bus, and later on we're gonna see like that Josh Matthews actually walks out to the parking lot, and where the bus is supposed to be. Like so, just perfect, simple editing, and they make you uh, believe that the bus is actually at impact. But the show started with Chris Saban defeating Josh Alexander. Uh, so we, we saw the Mercy Machine Guns kind of like reunite two weeks ago after Shelly came back. And so they have their sights again on the tag team titles. We said They said they were going to take revenge on XXXL and the North. They already took revenge on XXXL. And now it's about uh, the North. So uh, this is where this match comes from. On the other side, on the other side, uh, the North has been kind of like in a downward spiral ever since losing the titles. If you like, if you start like to piece the, 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 the jigsaw together because they have been kind of losing. Ethan Page lost to Swaggle last week. And so it does kind of feel like things are falling apart for the North. I hope it doesn't lead to a, a dissension between them because I would be like really pissed off. But it does feel like things are, are, are going weird in their direction and the match was uh, the match was great honestly like if you have all the people joining impact for the first time because of kenny omega this was a fantastic way to start the show uh because saving and and josh alexander are probably like two of the best wrestlers in this promotion and they have like a good power versus speed match um alexander looked great dominating saving looked great with a comeback, they did a bunch of stuff at the end. And and the only bad thing about the match, I'd say, was the finish, which it's not exactly a bad finish. It was a, a roll-up type of finish with Saban rolling up Alexander after Alexander kind of distracted himself with Paige, his own tag team partner. So it's not exactly bad. It's just not clean. And... I don't know if people are going to like people, especially like impact haters 
are going to look for any excuse to complain about impact. And this is the type of like dumbass thing that they would complain about. I, I, I don't mind the finish, but I, I can totally see like the perspective of the other side. Anyway, uh, Ethan Page is, is wrestling Curl Anderson at final resolution, which is taking place on this Saturday. Um, so this is also technically a go home show, uh, show for final resolution, but Ethan Page is wrestling Carl Anderson to get a title shot, uh, for the titles at the, for the tag team titles. And so at this point with Saban defeating Josh Alexander, I think they're going to build into a three way feud for the tag titles. I think that makes the most sense for me, not necessarily like that's probably going to be well okay i would say that's going to be your hard to kill tag team title match but then with this whole aw thing i don't know what's going to happen with hard to kill i don't know if hard to kill is going to become an impact and aw mixed show i i've heard hit, like rumors of the north going to aw to wrestle some friends over there. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's just the good brothers and the motor city machine guns in the same vein. Like we don't know if the good brothers are going to do anything with Kenny Omega, uh, as a component. So it's, it's really, really hard to anticipate at this point, hard to kill. If, if the AW component doesn't come into play for hard to kill, I do see uh, Good Brothers versus Mercy Machine Guns versus the North three-way feud for the titles at that show. Uh, up next, we had Chris Bay and Moose have a little backstage thing where because they're going to be teaming against Rich Swan and Willie Mack in the main event of this show. Uh, it was nothing. It was just like similar to what we've seen with Moose in the previous weeks where he tells the person who is challenging for the title, like, I mean, win the title if you want, but just know that once you do, I'm going to come and get you and kick your ass. And so Moose is great. Chris Bay is great. Uh, this is just like a quick reminder of what your main event is for tonight. Uh, we had a, it was like an NWA style paid ad uh, with AW president Tony Khan, Khan and Tony Esquiabone uh, promoting Dynamite. This, this was kind of weird. It was kind of like a promo by Tony Khan saying that he was not going to punish or do anything to Omega for the breach of contract being showing up in someone else's promotion when being under contract to AW, which is a legit, legit uh, breach of contract. Uh, hence, we haven't seen the US title in fucking forever. And the, uh, the IWGP US title. But uh, instead, he kind of like. He like he decided to buy some time of impacts programming to invite Don Callis to tomorrow's dynamite. And I guess address the whole situation. Uh, Tony Khan dropped some seats about him being interested in looking into impacts tag team division. And that's where I'm starting to think that we 
like I wouldn't be surprised if we get a North versus either Young Bucks or FTR match. And likewise, I wouldn't be surprised if we get an FTR versus Motor City Machine Guns match at some point in the future. And he also dropped on the line that people think that there's a rumor that Tony Khan's going to buy Impact. I don't know why he would say that. I That was weird. That kind of tells me that Tony Khan is going to be a character in this feud against Don Callis. And that is kind of weird. I That is the one thing that I don't want to see Tony Khan become. Uh an actual character so hopefully hopefully it's just like stays at that at rumors he he talked out of his ass uh we followed up with brian myers defeating tjp this was this was kind of weird uh, i mean for once this is your this is impacts like big show to capture some audience and again Given the nature of the AEW fan, uh, Brian Myers is not likely to be someone that they would be like, oh, cool, Brian Myers. They'd probably be like, oh, X WWE. <laughs> and so I wouldn't have chosen Brian Myers for this. And and that's it. But like, there was a, it was a good match. Uh, it actually got more time than I expected. I expected this to be like your usual like five-minute match. I don't know how long it went, but it felt like 10 minutes. And and TJP looked great. He, he I mean he's a great wrestler. Brian Myers looked good. Uh he he's a good wrestler too. He's just like more uh basic US sports entertainment type of wrestlers, but uh, he looked good. And it was just mostly like back and forward, back and forward until the end where TJP like hit the Mamba splash and got reversed into a pin, and then it was just followed by a lariat uh, for Myers by Myers for the win, and he's been winning ma matches with lariats, so it's not even that like off. But I this I found weird because I wasn't expecting TJP to to lose, um, because TJP is still in my opinion on his way to become the X Division champion one way or another, most likely a final resolution. And so it was just weird to see him lose against Brian Myers. But then again, I think Brian Myers, I don't know if they have a plan because there's no real like title that he can chase other than the world title. And he's like the world title scene in Impact is way packed. And so it's kind of weird to see where he could go. Um, but I mean, it's good that he's getting wins. I mean, they're definitely trying to do something with him for sure. And... And, but that, that was pretty much it. Uh, backstage, Rohi Raju approached TJP and he was just making fun of him. And Rohi said that at the final resolution, he's going to be having the, the last, his final defeat Rohi challenge uh, to open to anyone except TJP. So I think final resolution is where TJP wins the X Division title. Under the suicide mask, I still think that's the plan going forward. I am calling it right now. Um, and if that is the case, it, it just makes TJP losing way weirder. I don't know why you would have this match at this impact specifically. Uh, we had also backstage 
Cody Diener and Kasson Jake like meeting up and they're getting ready to for Cody Diener's match with Eric Young. And it was pretty much the same thing from last week where Cody just cut out like last week Cody Diener cut an amazing promo about having to do it by himself and, and show that he is not a nobody. Um but this one just kind of felt like they were trying to rehash the same uh intensity and it wasn't there anymore. Uh because we it was just like there but it was it was still good Cody Deaner he can he can talk man like talk about like most improved wrestler of the year like I think Cody Deaner's like most improved wrestler of the decade in a way uh because the last time I saw him when he was with ODV like he he was just like crap of the crap and and now he's pretty decent and so um, that led to Eric Young, de- Eric Young defeating Cody Diener, obviously. Um, but I have to say, like this was the best Cody Diener that I've probably seen in my life. Uh, he was fired up. He was doing pretty decent, uh, at least until he like went shoulder first into the ring post, and then Eric Young turned things around and, and worked over his shoulder. And even then, like Cody Jr. managed to make a comeback, like a really strong comeback. He got close to hitting a, a top row headbutt, which I don't remember him hitting many, <laughs> but uh, that's how what he went for. And but like, unfortunately, he got distracted. He kind of got distracted between this was weird. And I think it may mean something later. Joe Doring, like approached the ring post where he was at and that made cousin Jake approach Joe Doring. And it was at this point that Cody Diener told cousin Jake, like, hey, don't get involved. I'm going to do this by myself. And it was like in that small distraction that Eric Young managed to move away from the the headbutt and pile drive Diener for the win. So there is a chance, small, but there is a chance that Cody Diener could blame Cousin Jake for losing. I I wouldn't do it just because there's no point in creating dissension between the Deaners unless you want to, like, push Cousin Jake because otherwise, like, I mean, if you're going to push one of them, it's Cousin Jake. But uh, so, like, I don't see the point. You might as well just leave them together. If Cody can cut a promo and Cousin Jake can look amazing, just push them and give them a title shot later on, you know, in the year. So it, we'll, we'll see where it goes. If I mean, if anything else, it was obviously Eric Young who was, go, was going to win. And, and, and that was it. And after the match, uh, Rhino ran in when Joe Dorney and Eric Young were about to take out the dinners with power drivers. And Rhino had like a lead pipe and he ran them off. And... It does seem like we are going to get a Rhino versus Joe Doring match. I don't know where, but I still don't think that's the actual direction for EY and Doring. I still don't know where they're going. I still don't know who they want to chase. And it's worrisome because it kind of feels it's starting to feel really similar to Ace Austin and Madman Fulton, which we haven't seen in a while, but it's starting to feel like them. And I don't know if I want to see them chase tag titles. So I don't know. But 
it is little things like this that start to to make you think that impact needs to build up some more like top level baby faces at this point because Eddie Edwards, Rich Swan, and Willie Mack are not enough for all the heels that Impact has right now. So I think it's time they start to build some some more baby faces. Maybe hire one or two, you know. Uh, like next up we had. Okay, so this was, this should have been your comedy segment of every week that I hate. But I, th I thank the gods of old that Impact took something that should have been like terrible. And at least for today, when you have all the eyes of the world on your show, they made it better. Tommy Dreamer confronted Larry D about the whole Johnny Bravo shooting. They didn't even talk about the shooting or anything. It was just like Larry D challenged Dreamer to a match at final resolution. If he wins, he gets scot-free. If he loses, he goes to prison. And that's it. So hopefully at, res at final resolution, it is the end of the terrible storyline. But if anything else, kudos that this little segment wasn't a joke. It wasn't the night for jokes. So good. Good for them. Hopefully, I mean, Larry D versus Dreamer should be like a good-ish Haas type of match. That's going to be like a weird match to see. But like again, hopefully it's just the end of the storyline. And afterwards, we had something really interesting. Uh, we had Tommy Dreamer approach Scott Damore. And he... Dreamer like expressed concern about the whole AW thing. He said that he's lived to through like several things like this, you know, like invasions and companies working together and all this shit. And he says like stuff like this always sends the wrong messages to the locker room. And it's important that you, Scott, the more like does something about this before like it becomes bad. And there you go. Like so far in the show, we've seen Tony Khan talk about the tactics team division and impact and now we have tommy dreamer dropping hints that this type of things tend to like send wrong messages to the locker room so like by the end of the show um we are going to be seeing like little seeds planted here and there those two were like those two were like two uh, occasions where it happened and like the cool thing is that they are tackling different aspects of the promotions. Like Tony Khan was really specific about tag teams. Tommy Dreamer is talking about the locker room. When it, when when he says locker room, and especially Tommy Dreamer, he's talking about everyone in the promotion except the world champion, in my opinion. And so while Khan is talking about the tag team's dreamers uh, point, is talking about TJP. He's talking about uh, the knockouts. He's talking about, you know, like Falaba and Ace Austin and Rohi Raju and all those guys. 
that are not necessarily your world champion. And so I like this, like little seeds being planted here and there, here and there. And they don't need to shoot like their guns today. Like, to, like today, it was just about Dreamer expressing concern and nothing else. Nothing else needs to happen at this point. So beautiful, beautiful, beautiful execution. Uh, next up, we had the final match in the first round of the Knockout Sacking Championship Tournament. This was Taya and Rosemary defeating Diona Parasso and Kimberly. This was actually a really, really fun match. I think it was my favorite match of the first round. And that is considering that the, I mean, the other matches had a uh, woman like Killer Kelly. But this was just four women. They are all, how can I say, like, they have in a way really similar styles. Um, and they all just kind of like went out and had like a great match. They mesh nicely together. I, I, I honestly don't think I've ever seen. I may have seen Rosemary and Kimberly wrestle at one point, but I don't think I ever seen. I mean, I've definitely haven't seen Taya and Kimberly or Parasso and I, and I don't think I ever saw Rosemary and Parasa wrestle. But they ended up like all meshing up nicely together. I said it before, Rosemary is best when teaming with Taya. And and so like this was just a great short women's tag team match. Um Taya was the babyface in peril. Rosemary was the the hot tag. And then the end of the match saw uh, Diana Parasso accidentally kicked Kimberly, and then that was like the opening for Rosemary to tackle Parasso. Taya got around, and then Rosemary hit her. It's like a butterfly bomb uh, on Kimberly. I don't know if she has a name for it, but it's a butterfly bomb. And and that was a pin, and that was it. And so next up, we have Taya and Rosemary versus Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles, which honestly could go either way. I think either team have been a tag team for so long at this point that they are both worth being champions. And then the other side, we have Jordan Grace and Jazz, who are still likely, I do not agree with, but like likely the the, the ones that will win the tournament against Havoc and Nevea, who will likely lose because, I mean, Havoc and Nevea are not necessarily, like, they've been a team forever, but they're not necessarily dot big of a team at least name wise so i don't know where the semi starts i don't know if they're going to take a week off i i guess they shouldn't or wouldn't but we are really i mean the, the finals are at hard to kill so they may want to pace out the semi-finals a bit more so by all means we may take some weeks off from the tournament we'll see I haven't seen the the card for next week. They didn't actually announce one this week uh, during the show. But uh, next up, we had a little skit between Tanil Dashwood, Caleb Whitaker, and Alicia Edwards. So as we know, a couple of weeks ago, Alicia like really, really wanted to team up with Tanil, and they were like, "Okay, sure, we'll we'll play with you." But after Sammy Callahan attacked Eddie Edwards, uh, also three weeks ago. We we started to see like a different side of Alicia Edwards. She was well, not a different side, like 
actually like maybe a, like a real side of her just concerned about her husband and she attacked Callahan last week and this week she pretty much like said like that she couldn't focus on Tennille right now she had no time for her because she just had to like focus on her husband and Tennille Dashwood like felt insulted that Alicia didn't have time for her and told her that she would be teaching her a lesson and so honestly like this was like super simple but it was like it was really well written just to see like how they they would build this little Alicia versus Tennille thing like it's it's so simple it doesn't really need to go anywhere beyond this but it was just like it was like I don't know like straight up perfect writing it doesn't have to be more complicated than this you know and and it was based on reality you know like i mean based on reality in the sense that alicia's just like concerned about her husband and that makes sense like we know they're a couple and yes perfect <laughs> so another good point for impact there uh we had the Parasso and kimberly complain to scott Damore. uh this was kind of like weak their complaint like Diana Perez is complaining that she has to deal with a zombie and she has to deal with a tag team tournament and that she feels like she's being overworked and so Scott Demore's like well okay like now you're gonna have to wrestle Rosemary at final resolution for the title so there is your your match your knockouts match at final resolution but mm, it's okay I I wouldn't have mind if in the match we saw Rosemary pin Deanna Parasso for this, but she pinned Kimberly and I guess a, a loss is a loss, I, I guess. Anyway, uh, I, I I can I can see Deanna Parasso and Rosemary having a decent match. Uh, I, I, assuming Parasso wins. <laughs> and obviously they're probably going to do something with between Rosemary and Sue Young. And Parasso at final resolution, so it's okay. I mean, obviously, I I would totally say Parasso and Taya for a bigger show, so I don't mind. Uh, we had a promo by Sammy Callahan. Uh, he's pretty much saying that he is the beast knees of Impact Wrestling, that he that Impact needs Callahan more than Callahan needs Impact. He said that he like the first time he attacked Eddie Edwards eye it brought in a bunch of ratings and so last two like two weeks ago he did it again and this brought out Alicia Edwards and Callahan was like dude like don't get in the ring the last time you got in the ring Eric Young almost pal drove you but the truth is like Eric Young has way more control than I do I do not give a fuck I will break your fucking neck and that was like enough distraction for Eddie Edwards to return and attack uh, Callahan and ran him off with a bat. And that was it. So Eddie Edwards is back. They're obviously Callahan versus Edwards again. I don't know where where else this, this feud can go. They already went super violent. But we'll see. Uh, but the thing that does build up too is that after this, Alicia kind of told him, hey, like, we dealt with your Callahan problem. Now you got to help me deal with my Dashwood and Caleb with a K problem. 
So we are likely going to get uh, to you know Dashwood and Killer with a K versus Seti and Alicia Edwards soon. I don't know when, probably next week. But uh, again, easy writing. It's it's right there. You know, you don't need to like make it super complicated. And next up, we had the main event, which was Moose and Chris Bay defeating the Impact World Champion Rich Swan and Willie Mack when Chris Bay pins Willie Mack. Um, so the the match. The match was good. Like, let's just try for there. The match was good. Moose and Chris Bay were really, really good. Uh, Rich Swan is good, and Willie Mack is, is, is it was okay. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan. Um, the story of the match was that Moose was being overly aggressive with Chris Bay, and Chris Bay was just like, I mean, cool, whatever. <laughs> I'm getting my title shot on Saturday. I don't care. Let's just beat the fuck out of Rich Swan and Willie Mack. And that was pretty much it. They 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 caught up Willie Mack. He was the baby fist in Pearl. Rich Swan got the hot tag. And it all led to the end where like everyone's fighting everyone. And the the very, very ending was Moose hitting the lights out on Willie Mack. And instead of going for the pin, he's like started like just punching Willie Mack over and over again. And at this point, Rich Swan kind of like makes a save. And takes out Moose like to the outside of the ring, and just like Chris Bay jumps in and takes the pin, because at this point Mac was just done, and Chris Bay gets his win back uh, before the title match, so it's all good. Uh, I can't expect Chris Bay to win the title for sure, uh, but sure as hell, this is going to just like leave Moose a straight path to the title going into 2021. And that comment is going to lead in what's going to happen next. Because next up we have the Kenny Omega interview. And this is when things, there's like, we have yet another seed or two seeds being planted, with, which I think are really, really important too. And this, this ones are, are pretty obvious. Like, these are seats that if you didn't see, like you're not even paying attention. First off, we we saw Rich Swan, like he packed up, he was ready to go, and he's trying to go to the parking lot, and he gets stopped at the door, and he's so like, hey, uh, sorry, like the world champion has a whole parking lot blocked off, and he's like, well, I am the champion, like no, 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 Kenny Omega. Uh, like this is Kenny Omega's order, like the order of the world champion, and so Swan angrily like walked away, like he's pissed off that Kenny Omega, the champion from another com company, just up him in his own place, and like he's not confrontational, but again, seats are being planted. You don't have to do the the Swan and Omega confrontation tonight, but you know that at this point, you know. Swan is pissed off. That's all you need. And then we go into the actual interview. Uh, Josh Matthews is there. Don Callis and Kenny Omega are there. They started the whole thing by changing the nameplate of the title from John Moxley to Kenny Omega. Nice stuff. And then the first question is, like, how long had you been planning this whole thing? And Don Callis cut a motherfucking amazing promo about how the Kenny Omega and Don Callis 
combination goes back 27 years when he started, when Don Kelly started training uh, with Kenny Omega's uncle. And it was just a fantastic promo telling how some people in wrestling are here to have matches. Some people here make memories. But Kenny Omega and Don Callis are here to make history. And they've done it once when they booked Kenny Omega versus Jericho at the Tokyo Dome. And they've done it twice when Kenny Omega became the AW World Champion. Fantastic, fantastic promo by Don Callis. And then Kenny Omega cut like a weird... I mean, it was a good promo, but it's like in a Kenny Omega way, which has always been kind of weird for me. Uh, he's pretty much saying that he is the best wrestler uh, in AW, in Mexico, in Japan, in the UK, everywhere in Zimbabwe. And now he's here in Impact. And Kenny Omega, you know, he is a bit of a collector. And he he talked about how he used to be a collector of comic books, um, which he is not anymore, I think he said. But he said, like, by winning the AW title... I've bought Superman number one, like what what Superman number one is or represents. But he said that just because I bought Superman number one doesn't mean that I don't want to buy X-Men number one or Spider-Man number one. And he's making like ideas that just because he won the AW World Championship, doesn't mean that he doesn't want to get also the AAA championship, which he already has. Doesn't mean that he wouldn't be opposed to winning the Impact World Championship. And like and 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 on and on and on and on. And that is your final seat of the day, my friends. Rich Swan is pissed off, and Kenny Omega wouldn't mind winning Impact World Championships. And, I mean, Don Callis is completely married to Kenny Omega. Don Callis, the EVP of Impact, wouldn't mind having Kenny Omega as his champion. Things are happening, friends. Things are going to happen. I don't know how it will go. I think a lot of people are going to complain that Rich Swan got buried. Oh, way to bury your champion. Like, nah, man. These are seeds being planted. No one's being buried yet. This is... This is fucking wrestling storytelling. This is fantastic. And so we'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, like I said, great show by Impact. They showcase, I think, their best talent. Arguably, like... The only people that were missing tonight were... Uh, I guess Carl Anderson and Jordan Grace. Maybe Eddie Edwards, but he was there. He just didn't wrestle. But that's pretty much it. Like the that's like pretty much the the top. They had the top guys wrestling tonight, and they kept the comedy and the Soo Young weirdness to a minimum. And they they planted little seeds, and they they the the AW angle was perfectly subtle, but still like not ambiguous. Like you can fucking see it in your face. I thought this was a really, really, really productive impact episode. And I mean, beyond this, we'll see how it goes. Uh, this can even this can either be that WWE buys 
uh, WCW, or this can be CCW versus Ring of Honor in terms of booking. And just like one last thing that I want to say, I watched this show on the Impact Twitch channel, and I do get hints of a CCW versus Ring of Honor feel just because you have really passionate fans on both sides that don't necessarily mesh and and so we we're, we can see something here uh i made the comment on twitter like in that twitch channel seeing aw fans hate on impact was like seeing wwe fans hate on aw and that, that's something to to go to bed with you know think about the type of fan that you are <laughs> But nonetheless, I I enjoyed this show a lot. I am enjoying this this storyline and angle so much. It's a pain in the ass to read Twitter sometimes when it comes to to people talking about impact at this point because no one has nice things to say. Uh, but you know, fuck you. <laughs> so we'll see where it goes. Uh, so far, I am. I'm enjoying and and that is going to be it for this week. Uh, it was packed. We, we had five star matches and angles and previews and man, just a bunch of stuff that we didn't even get to talk about, but, uh, we will have another week next week, you know, because wrestling never stops and neither will we, but that is it for this week. Remember to go to Spotify and iTunes where you can find the podcast. Leave a review, a like, a heart, whatever they allow you to leave. Uh, everything helps the algorithm so the show will get more viewers. Uh, likewise, go to DWrestlingRevolution.com where you can find the, the written version of most of what we talked about this week. Uh, mainly the, the Noah review. But for the impact review recap, you can go to figure four online, figure four wonline.com, where I do the weekly impact recap for the website. Yes, that is the day Melson and Brian Oliver's website, but I am part of the impact component. And so you can go read the, the full recap of that show. I would recommend just watch the show this week. If any other week, just watch the show this week. Um, and you can go finally at DW Revolution on Twitter for where I do like most of the the you know the promoting the updates the retweets. Um, we've been we've been talking a lot about you know stuff of the year like much of the year comebacks of the year because we are heading into that that season you know we are just a couple of weeks away from 2021 and. I can already start to to drop some hints that we do have some big something something of the year shows planned for it. But without further ado, not to quote Kenny Omega, but I must bid you adieu. Good night. I mean, it's all oh man. I already fucked it up. It's goodbye and good night. Bang. Laters. Well, that's about it. Son of a gun, we've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again. For Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>